the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and you can grab it there. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. I hope all is well with you and your family and you're having a nice weekend so far. Good program today. We're going to be uh, talking about some top stories, some economic data, and joining me in just a little bit, Elaine Parker, president of the Job Creators Network. And um, she is going to be, you may remember if you were listening to the program and listening to the Morning News Express uh, last week, I talked about a survey that uh, Job Creators Network put out on small businesses and just the uh, devastation that many of them are experiencing because of crime. And uh, so I thought it would be good to have Ms. Parker on to talk about that in more detail and also um, um, explain the survey, how it worked. And again, just dig a little bit deeper so we have a better understanding of what is going on in the small business community, um, and in particular right now as it relates to crime. We we hear about the the big crime, you know, on TV where everybody is on surveillance. And um, gosh, what, how many vehicles did they steal this week? Like five hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of vehicles. And um, you see people come in and uh, cowards. You know, they come in and rip all the the um the smartphones off of the cords and 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 walk out of the uh, of the store so it's it's unfortunate but it's this lawless uh country that we live in right now and where there's no repercussions um and that of course uh that powder keg is literally uh the the fuse has been lit on that and i think you're going to see a lot of people pushing back but in any case miss elaine parker will be joining us in uh just a little bit and she is the president of the job creators network so when we look at um some top stories of this past week really glad to see that uh some senate republicans are determined to restrict the federal reserve's ability to create and implement uh, the central bank digital currency. It's scary. That's the word I attach to this. Whenever you see central bank digital currency, it's scary, period. Um, So not only did you have uh, some stuff going on um, in the Senate and and then some a revival, if you will, in the House, but it's become a political issue as high up as the uh, election for president of the United States. So just in general, or to um, if you're not familiar with the central bank di- digital currencies, what, what we see is these conservative lawmakers, common sense, I mean, just they're intelligent. Um, they've been doubling down on their opposition to uh, a central bank digital currency, arguing that the federal government could weaponize, which we know that's what the federal government does these days, as does the state and local governments, um, weaponize that technology, that digital currency, uh, currency, by using it to spy on people, right? Their financial activity, and then if they don't like it, of course, the big concern is they could restrict uh, access to your money. 
So this legislation, which Ted Cruz, the senator, of course, from uh, Texas, introduced on Monday, I believe it was, uh, says the the Federal Reserve lacks the authority to issue a central bank digital currency, which is just a digital version of the dollar to Americans without authorization from Congress. Um, No big surprise. You see this day in and day out, the uh, deep state. Uh, whatever you know, the bureau, the bureaucracy, where these guys are not elected. You know, they're either hired or they're appointed, and they try to make an end run right around the law, around Congress. So um, it was great to see Cruz uh, do this, and then this new bill will serve as a companion to the House's. Um, bill, which was reintroduced. Um, I think Tom Emmer um, originally uh, put this forward called the uh, Central Bank Digital Currency Anti-Surveillance State Act. Um, So it has about 97 uh, conservative members of Congress as co-sponsors. And again, this is really just trying to, to, to take not, not so much take power away from the government, which they already have too much, but not to give them any more, especially over your money, right? Um, and then, of course, like I said, it became political to the highest level of, of the presidential campaigns because President Trump um, has said that implementing a digital dollar would be very dangerous, is the way he put it, which he's putting it nice, uh, claiming that it could result in money suddenly disappearing from people's bank accounts. He said in um, January he would never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. And again, it shouldn't be him, right? Like all things, these important issues need to go through the House and the Senate and the Senate and be voted on. Not these agencies, these you know three-letter agencies that are just putting things in place. And not just executive orders um, to get something you want. It's, it, in particular, when it's bad for the country and it's bad for patriotic Americans. For people that are too stupid to care about these kind of things, then, you know, sleep in that bed you made. But for patriotic, hardworking Americans, this just doesn't, it doesn't cut it. And, and people are sick of it. So I was really happy to see that. Um, Like I said, central bank digital currency equals scary because there's not an upside to that that happening. Not for, again, hardworking, honest, patriotic Americans, period. Um, We saw also, um, just as an update, uh, Bud Light, right, you know, continues to be our Petri dish. Um, our little uh, case study, we're almost uh, to a year now when uh, Bud Light Marketing was stupid enough to team up with a, uh, this guy, um, Mulvaney, who's a cross-dresser, who, you know, is, a, is an embarrassment and goes in, uh, male going into female bathrooms and, and whatnot, and um, basically... This continues to blow up in in, uh, the parent company's face. So Anheuser-Busch InBev, they did have good sale numbers for the fourth quarter, um, but the global beer giant continues to suffer here in the United States 
from the boycott against the Bud Light brand. So the company said that um, revenue in the U.S. market declined by 9.5% in 2023. It was down 17.3% in the uh, fourth quarter, um, with sales to retailers down over 12% due to the volume decline of Bud Light, right? So sales of Bud Light began to tumble in the U.S. in April of last year, not long after um, they came up with this uh, just total stupid and ridiculous idea to uh, – they, they sent custom beer cans to the cross-dresser to mark 365 days of girlhood. So this is how twisted and how backwards and how mentally ill so many of these people are where they're going to have a guy who dresses up like a girl celebrate girlhood. It just, it's, it's you know, they've lost over $25 billion in market cap. More importantly... They've lost very loyal beer-drinking customers. And I think it was last week, if not last week, the week before I mentioned um, UFC, you know, and Dana White. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've come, uh, you know, they've cut a deal with Bud Light trying to trying to save the brand. Um, and, and other folks have come out. Even President Trump wrote on uh, social media that, ma- that they made an epic mistake, which, of course, is true. But maybe they deserve a second chance. So my opinion on that is he, uh, President Trump and Dana White are good friends. And maybe Dana White was bending his ear a little bit on the phone saying, hey, can you help us out? We got this new deal with Bud Light. And, you know, you can speculate like I am. But I do believe that that's what happened. Uh, they've got the they've got Peyton and Eli Manning, I think. It's just not working, though. Just because you have these high profile people that are popular and and in different areas whether it's uh you know UFC fighting or football or whatever it might be you've got like i said or you had loyal beer drinkers and you spit in their face with this cross dresser and nobody has said they're sorry the ceo should come out and say i'm sorry but he's not even smart enough to do that so i don't know how this is going to end up but i'm going to keep following it because like i said it's an excellent case study so um i'll keep you uh, up to date on that and then when we look at uh the economic data of this week we, we had a lot of it it was a very busy week as far as data goes um we saw that sales of uh single family homes new single family homes i should say new home sales rose less than expected in january um and that's because there was a big decline down south which is funny because a lot of people are saying it was because the weather was cold well it wasn't that cold down south where like they couldn't break ground and couldn't build and couldn't do what they wanted to do right so that was a little odd New home sales were up 1.5%. Um, that was less than what was anticipated. And also the sales pace for December was revised lower uh, from what we were uh, originally told. So um, economists that were polled by Reuters had forecast new home sales, which, by the way, they account for a little over 
14% of U.S. home sales, that they would rise to 680,000 units uh, for the year. And um, that just wasn't the case. And again, they said the frigid weather weighed on, you know, the the freezing temperatures and all that stuff weighed on um, the market. But what's odd is <laughs> in the Northeast, where it was the coldest, you saw sales soar over 70%. They rose in the Midwest where it was freezing cold, but they were down 15%, over 15%. Um, down south to the lowest level of September 2022. So uh, this type of data just really makes you scratch your head and wonder, um, you know, who's right and who's wrong. The median new home price in January was $420,700. So that was actually a decrease of 2.6% from a year ago. So, um, you know, that was a little bit of good news for the buyer, potential buyer, also, interest rates came down a little bit, so it might have been enough for people to get their foot in the door. And then a lagging indicator in the um, housing sector, uh, it's the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and actually it was back in December. So like I said, it's lagging a um, couple months behind, but it showed that home prices rose for the 11th consecutive month in December. And that's one of the big reasons is housing inventory is just painfully low. It's just really, really hard out there when you look at the inventory. And that's why it remains a seller's market. Um, prices were up 5.5% nationally in December. So the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index looks at a 10-city composite and a 20-city composite, um, you know, looking at the big markets. And um, like I said, it's lagging, but still, when you look at those numbers just a couple months ago in December, um, you see prices continue to go up. And what we saw this week, well, it it was a report that I saw on Wednesday morning that was from last week. It was the mortgage activity, mortgage applications. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association, their index of mortgage applications fell 5.6% 5.6% um, from the previous week. Um, so, you know, you saw even though the the, the popular 30-year fixed loan, mortgage loan, uh, decreased just a little bit to 7.04% last week and is down from the 8% we saw back in October, it's still, you know, higher and makes it really tough on people to, uh, for them to make their numbers work, right? I mean, you're talking about depending on the size of the house, potentially hundreds of dollars additionally per month in a mortgage, or maybe it's thousands, depending on how big and how expensive the home is. Um, And application volume was down about 12% compared to the same time um, last year. So, um, and it comes back, I just mentioned it, but, you know, pretty much all around, it comes uh, comes back to the, um, the supply, you know, right, the inventory, on on the market, um, it's down. And when you look before, uh, you know, COVID came, made its way here from China, you know, before all that mess that destroyed our country and killed people and made people sick and people lost jobs and people had mental uh, health issues, continues, um, screwed up our kids, 
because they couldn't go to school and interact and be normal. Um, yeah, I'm not going to forget any of that. None of that. That just doesn't fall by the wayside. The overdoses because of isolation, the people that uh, couldn't get to an AA meeting because um, they were told to have their doors shut when you've got bars and strip clubs open. No, I'm not forgetting any of that. Um, but before all of that, um, that evil came, compared to now, I mean, you're looking at home supply is down over 34% from the typical amount before the virus in early 2020. So it's just, uh, it's been, it's decimated, you know, so many people's dreams when it comes to buying a home and, you know, owning their castle, right? Living in their own castle. We also saw a mixed report on Wednesday morning uh, as far as the um, energy information, the oil inventory data. So U.S. commercial crude oil inventories increased by 4.2 million barrels from the previous week. Um, gasoline inventories decreased by 2.8 million barrels. And when you look at distillate fuel inventories, your diesel fuels and others, um, that decreased a half a million barrels last week. And they're about 8% below the five-year average for this time of year. Um, not even getting into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which was raped and pillaged by this administration to try to bring down gasoline prices, which was just asinine. And, you know, again, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, it's for an emergency. It should be filled to the brim not used as a political football. Um, so I'm not even going to get into that because I don't have enough time. And, and by the way, while this was going on, you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have OPEC talking about extending their production cuts. How's that make us feel, right? Countries that hate our guts, they're sending over people illegally across the border to do heaven knows what, and in the same time they're laughing in their palaces because of our energy policy and how it's hurting everybody, especially the poor, especially people on fixed income, the single moms out there who would love to be paying a dollar more, a dollar or more less per gallon of, of gasoline so they can get, or maybe heat their home. Right. So, um, the GDP number, we had our first revision from the fourth quarter. It was lowered. It went from 3.3 to 3.2% uh, for annual growth. Um, the inflation gauge came in higher than expected. Um, you also saw personal savings were revised lower. People weren't able to save as much. And by the way, when we talk about GDP, which 3.2% is good. I, I don't dispute that. You know what I do dispute? The state and local government spending up 5.4% to be included in the gross domestic product. I don't want taxpayer money spent. I want to look at organic growth. I want to look at capitalism, not government, you know, and all the horse trading that goes on with contracts and all that nonsense. I don't care about that, you know, that, that darkness. I don't want the government spending any more money than what they have to, but you see this crazy spending that's uh, been going on for the last few years, well, longer than that, 
Um, I mean, it was the last administration when you saw Pelosi and uh, and Schumer passing these these spending bills, and we're still we're still paying for it. Literally, that stupid continuing resolution the other day because Mike Johnson can't go in and keep his spine stiff. You know, it gets smacked around by McConnell and Jeffries and Biden. I mean, come on. How can you let that happen? He's the youngest guy in the room. He's smart. He says he has a biblical worldview, and he's going to go in there and get slapped around when he has control of the purse strings. Tell you, man, very disappointing. But anyway, that continuing... Continuing resolution kicks the can. I hate to say that down the the road for a couple weeks. Um, so they avoided the government shutdown yesterday. But then we're going to be having the exact same conversation, um, you know, in, in a couple weeks. It's, this is all stupid. Uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense. It's politics at its worst. They care about Ukraine. They care about laundering money they care about the stupid climate change that false narrative that uh that they're relying on for you you know that's why people are coming across the border and on and on and on just the lies and the deception so if it if it's not mike johnson fine punch your ticket get out you know punch a clock you're you know just leave don't be the speaker. We need to find somebody who can get in there and and be mean and tenacious and get the job done. $34.4 trillion and counting literally every millisecond. So that continuing resolution just continued Pelosi and Schumer. And by the way, all of the worthless Republicans that that voted for it that cr just keeps all that spending going nothing's changing it's just two more weeks of it so and by the way we've all been through government shutdowns i let me tell you why these politicians don't want the government to shut down because then it's a reminder to common sense patriots of how they're not needed so many parts of the government not needed you go back to the last jobs report, right? A month ago, thirty. I think it was thirty-six thousand new government jobs <laughs> in one month. One month. So yeah, we don't need you. Um, all right, I'm going to take a uh, a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, wonderful lady. She was on a year, year and a half ago, Miss Elaine Parker, president of Job Creators Network. So stay tuned. Back in a minute.
Welcome back to the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. I am Chris Murray. If you're just tuning in for the second part of the program, welcome. Uh, all of our new listeners, welcome to you. If you guys have been with us for a while, thank you. And for our real loyal folks who've been with me since 1997 when we started the program, thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. And you know the reason we've been around so long is because of you. And the success of the programs and the accolades, they're not for me or the station or anybody else. It's all for you. Um, and another example of that is our conversation today where uh, we're going to be talking about an extremely, uh, a couple extremely important subjects. One is small business, the backbone of, uh, of America. And number two, the unfortunately, the, the crime that we have to deal with these days and how that ties in to business people and to the consumer as well. Really glad to have joining us today, a uh, guest, friend of the program, has been on before, long overdue to have Miss Elaine Parker back on. She's a president of the Job Creators Network. She has more than 20 years of experience in the communications field. She started her career um, as a public relations manager for Chrysler. Then she had her own firm. And, um, you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard her on the radio You've uh, seen her on TV. You've read some of her stuff in major publications. And I just want to let you know, um, and if you don't have a pen and paper, you know, you can get one because I'll repeat this. Um, or if you're driving, of course, don't write anything down. Just send me an email and I'll get it. But Miss Parker is the co-host of the Main Street Matters podcast. So for all of our business owners out there and um, those in management and really people that just care about small businesses, um, that would be a great thing for you to, uh, to check out. So, uh, Ms. Parker, thank you so much for coming back on the program. You know, really appreciate it. And, um, and, and one of the things, uh, I was talking to you, you know, offline for a couple minutes really caught my attention a couple weeks ago is when Job Creators Network came out with, uh, a survey talking about its impact uh, crimes impact on small business. So if we can just start there and, and you know, like kind of let our audience know um, how you conduct the survey, um, how you interact with the businesses and kind of what they were sharing with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Chris. Um, at Job Creators Network, we do a national um, survey on small business owners every month. We call it our small business IQ poll. And we ask them um, a bunch of questions about how they're feeling about the economy, and we get an overall um, optimism index from them. But we also ask them about current policy issues or relevant issues happening um, in the in the news cycle um, and how things are impacting them within their communities. One of the things we asked them about in January was how crime was impacting their businesses. And remember, this is a national poll um, of small business owners. And um, what the small business owners told us in the poll was actually really eye-opening for us um, because in addition to the historic inflation and the high energy costs and the credit crunch they're facing, um, small businesses are also facing high impact or high levels of um, crime, and it's costing them uh, revenue. About a third of them said that crime is impacting them, and it's costing them more to increase security and pay for extra security to protect customers, their 
um, their employees. And they're also having to obviously cover the cost of stolen merchandise from their um, places of business. And so that was just really eye-opening. Um, and then we also looked at um, where the other crime was coming from, and that is from our, our open borders. And so when we look at the soft-on-crime DAs that are not prosecuting um, these criminals, and many of these um, sort of woke districts set these arbitrary um, levels of it's okay to steal up to this level, but if you go above here, then it's illegal. So if they come back once a day and they're stealing $900 worth of merchandise from you, eventually um, I would say it's going to impact you no matter how small or short company is. Um, and then you've got the spillover of the crime from our open borders that the uh, Biden administration does not seem to want to correct. It's been three years, and now it's a political liability. And we see them starting to talk about it, but we still don't see any true action um, from the administration. Yeah, and, and again, anybody with half a brain, uh, like you said, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, realizes that they're making this political now because of uh, the election in November. Um, talking about, you know, it's everybody else's fault. They have no control, which, of course, they exercised all their control with an executive order the first day they came in relating to the border and other things like energy that you'll also mention. Before we go further on um, the, the crime issue, which is, of course, why I, I was so glad to have you come on, I want to back up for a second. You said that you um, also talked to these small business owners and get um, a sense of how they feel about um, the economy and their confidence and you you uh, make that available too which by the way folks uh, you can go uh, to the website uh, for free and get a lot of really really good information um, so you know if, if you go to um, um, what is it SBI if they just go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com Job. they can find the poll on our website okay perfect so um, you were talking about the, the economy as I mentioned so this week we got the U.S. Consumer Confidence Report from the Conference Board, and then we also just got the report from the University of Michigan on consumer sentiment. Do you find that with your small business owners, they kind of correlate with those, those types of uh, reports, or do you get a different uh, tone? Um, I wouldn't say correlate is, is a good um, description. Um, what, what people need to understand with small business owners, and, and we, we kind of, we call them main street small business owners. That's really where, um, where we focus our efforts on, um, you know, large companies have lobbyists and all of that to, to help them in Washington, DC, but main street small business owners are, are really disproportionately hurt by high inflation costs. Um, by high energy costs, and when they don't have the ability to go to banks and get credit because the interest rates are so high, um, they can't go into the capital markets, you know, like a, a large corporation can, and easily get money um, and to expand their businesses or, or float their operations. Um, so you can see there, there's just such a disproportionate impact on them. They don't have the buying power. Um, you know, to uh, and and to reduce costs with large buying contracts like the large companies do, and so when you think about all of these things that are uh, have headwinds against large companies, it's even worse for the small businesses um, when they're facing um, these the the historic inflation. And and mind you, even though the Biden 
government continue to spin this to tell Americans inflation is coming down. Inflation is down. Inflation is not down. It is still increasing. It's just increasing at a slower rate. But we still have prices that are elevated about 20%. And anecdotally, I would argue that it's much higher than that. But but the reports say 20%, but we're still paying 20% more. Small businesses don't have the ability to pass those costs onto their consumers as easily because their consumers are so price sensitive and they can't keep absorbing them. And so as a, as a result of that, their razor thin margins, it's very hard for them to make ends meet essentially. And it's just very difficult for them. So as much as our consumers are hurting from all these high prices, our small businesses are hurting too. Yeah, and uh, I know in your report it says 78% of employers say the cost of doing business has not gone down, and I, I appreciate you pointing it out. We do all the time. Yeah, inflation, we're just getting – it's inflation on top of inflation. The number's just not as big. So like you said, all the pain is still there for the consumer and for the small business owner. So, you know, you said it's hard for them to pass it on. It's hard for them to make ends meet. What are they doing to stay in business? Are, or you, maybe you're seeing more and more uh, small business, you know, leave. Well, certainly, um, you know, if you if you kind of take it back to crime, and so with crime, you've got um, these smash and grabs and things like that happening. And so, what you have to sort of do is look at the tip of the spear. Um, and so, I'll I'll use some big companies as examples. Um, we heard last fall that Target was going to close um, nine stores in four states, and so, you know, Target's got probably hundreds and hundreds of stores across the country. Kind of a hit to them, but not so much. The other stores will make up the difference. They leave. Those jobs go away. But Target is what you call an anchor store in shopping centers. They bring the foot traffic. So when they leave, that impact hurts those smaller companies a tremendous amount. So so that's very difficult for our small businesses to absorb um, and so some of them do go away. It's just they don't put out a press release. The news doesn't cover it when your local pizza parlor or dry cleaner goes under because, you know, Target moved away as a result of crime. So these small business owners, they, they get it in a lot of different ways. Um, and and that's what we try to help the public understand is it's not just these um, you know, big corporations that can just afford to do anything um, they need to do. The reality is no matter what, everything rolls downhill. Higher prices roll downhill to the consumer. High taxes roll downhill to the consumer. Corporations just pass it on to the consumer. Small businesses just don't have the luxury of doing that as much. So they they kind of, uh, you know, are standing still at hiring, um, kind of at neutral with hiring. Um, even if they need more people, they're, they're in some cases unable to actually bring them on because um, costs are so high for them right now. Well, yeah, and then uh, like you uh, kind of alluded to, depending on the area, there I'm sure there's a lot of people that think, boy, do I really want to put my life in danger just to go work at this uh, this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, there's there are some issues in some of the big cities that have um, seen a lot of violent crime. Um, you know, mentioned McDonald's announced, uh, I think it was last year, that they were going to close six locations in um, Chicago because of the safety of their employees. So imagine that, you know, six locations. 
many of um, where you have high crime and violent crime um, are in also minority neighborhoods that employ minority um, uh, residents. And so when those jobs go away, it really hurts the community um, quite a bit, sense of now you've got all more unemployed people, um, which can ultimately lead to more crime too. So there, there's just a, such a domino effect to these um, district attorney and, and areas where they just don't seem to want to enforce the law. Um, as law-abiding citizen, citizens here who pay taxes, um, we deserve to have the laws enforced. We deserve to feel safe in our communities. And to have, you know, President Biden, uh, you know, c- come out the other day and, and tell the American people that crime is down it is just it, like, it's like, don't believe your lying eyes because people feel safe now. And that's the reality. And so crime may be down from the, the summer of all the riots um, that were spurred as a result of the George Floyd um, death. Um, but if you look at pre-pandemic, um, crime is not down. Um, yeah. We have congressmen who have been carjacked in Washington, D.C. and felt it firsthand. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it, it's just such a ridiculous statement for the president to make. I don't know if they're tone deaf or they just really think the American people are that dumb. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't quite figure it out myself. Uh, we're continuing our conversation this morning with our guest, Miss Elaine Parker. She's the president of Job Creators Network. And by the way, you can go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com and uh, get their press releases and their surveys uh, on small business. You'll find it very interesting. Miss um, Parker was just talking about uh two of them, the survey on crime, increasing the cost for small businesses and also uh, Job Creators Network's response to uh, Biden's speech on crime, which is a real head scratcher, um, you, you know, and, and I, I'm sure that small business community really appreciates uh, what you guys do and how you get the truth out there. And, you know, you have your own surveys and and, and do things in a way that is honest and educational and really supportive to that community. Well, I, I thank you. And we actually have a kind of a unique way to do it. Um, first of all, I'll let you know that our, our poll is conducted by um, national um, pollsters, John McLaughlin and Scott Rasmussen. Um, they actually um, are independent of each other, but we brought them together to put this poll together. We just wanted to bring together um, two of the, greatest minds we thought out there to put together a poll for us every month to focus on small business owners. So we're really proud of that product and, and what it, um, what it produces in terms of uh, statistics to um, take a look at. Um, But as far as our small business owners and getting that message out, so it's not just me out here talking as, as um, you know, a leader of an organization that focuses on small businesses, but we actually work with small business owners across the country and help them help amplify their voice. So we have small business owners that um, work with my team on um, drafting op-eds that tells their story about how crimes impacted them or how, it, how taxes are impacting them or inflation. And we help them get that place in maybe their local papers or in a national paper. And then um, we talk to folks like you and see if you want to interview them about their own personal stories. And because there's nothing more 
um, uh, you know, uh, honest and relevant and believable to hear it right from the horse's mouth about how a policy is impacting them. And what I have found about small business owners is that they they don't they don't see parties. They're they're not necessarily partisan because they they want to be in business and they want to be in business to Democrats, Independents, and Republicans. They want all the customers, not just the customers that agree with them. They tend to not be partisan, but they tend to to want policies that help them. So they see policy. They don't see parties. Yeah, and, and that's such an important uh, point. And like you said, they don't have the lobbyists you mentioned earlier. You know, they don't have the deep pockets. They can't do a big uh, ad campaign. So, you know, uh, it's it's important for them to get their stories out. And, uh, well, that's one of the reasons, you know, that we talk to small business owners and, and also folks like you who uh, who support them. So you mentioned, um, and we'll close with this over the next few minutes, but you mentioned earlier, you know, the problems with the border. And uh, m- most people, I would say 80% at least, maybe more, I hope, realize uh, the, the severity of the open border. Um, unfortunately, people are dying. People are being raped. Uh, kids are being trafficked, uh, you know, fentanyl the, with all the deaths and the overdoses and, like you said, the stealing. Um, and it, it's it's terrible. I've said for years the borders are the number one uh, problem. And number two is the overspending by the federal government of our money and our future, you know, generation's money, over $34 trillion. And you guys actually went uh, an extra step. And I'd like you to just share the story about uh, what you did in Times Square recently. Yeah. Um, so, so when the poll came out and, and it was such an eye opener on how crime was impacting small business owners, it was right around the time um, shortly after that, that um, those police officers NYPD police officers were attacked on the streets by the Venezuelan um, illegal immigrants. And so we decided, you know, we, we put up billboards all the time in Times Square to get messages out. And so we decided to put a, um, a, a billboard up that actually had the, the video of the NYPD police officers um, being attacked. And, it, and the billboard said, hey, Joe, if cops aren't safe because of your open borders, nobody is. And then we drove the public to a, a website called secureourbordersnow.com where um, you all can, your, your listeners can sign a petition calling on the Biden administration to act. Um, and, and let me sort of like underscore something for you. We're a small business advocacy organization. We focus on helping small business owners, um, you know, with you know, getting lower taxes and, and, and less regulations and, and better access to capital and good economic policy. We don't talk about immigration policy. It's not what we normally do. But the economic spillover of these open borders, in addition to the safety issues, has brought a small business advocacy organization into this conversation. That's what should be such an eye-opener to people is groups like mine are coming into this conversation because it is impacting every aspect of our lives. And here we are talking about immigration. I've been working with Job Creators Network for over a decade um, and helped build this organization. We have never talked about immigration until now. 
Yeah, and it just uh, shows the severity of the situation, uh, as you alluded to. And um, I and I appreciate you doing that. Like you said, it's not something – same here. I mean, you know, we focus on business and finance and, and, and various things. But it like you said, everything rolls downhill. And that – what's coming down the hill is this massive boulder that's just – crushing the consumer and the patriotic American at the bottom of it um, in so many different ways. And and we need to talk about it and not just talk, but, you know, hold people accountable and get some changes made. So uh, I can't thank you enough, uh, Miss Parker, for all the work that you do. Like you said, you guys, you might not be big, but you're mighty. And, you know, I've, I've followed your work over the years. And um, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you guys are on the radio, you're on TV, you're writing often, you're doing these important polls, and that's all very, very helpful, even if we don't realize that as consumers, because one way or another, that's going to benefit us because it's benefiting the small business owner. Well, thank you so much for pointing that out. Yeah, you're right. So give your website one more time and also uh, the other website about securing the borders uh, before we let you go. It's jobcreatorsnetwork.com. And the website, if you want to sign the petition, is secureourbordersnow.com. Perfect. Thank you, Ms. Parker. I appreciate your time. You have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. Okay. And uh, there's a ton of good stuff. As uh, Ms. Parker said, go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Um, and also uh, the other um, website she gave out, secureourbordersnow.com. Uh, this is so important. And you know me. I've been talking about it, as I said, for years and years. I sound like a broken record. But, you know, if you don't have a secure border, you don't have sovereignty, um, you know, people get hurt, people get killed, um, people get raped, people overdose. I mean, it's, it, you know, people are in car crashes. It's just one thing after the other. It's so terrible. So we need to get our, our our arms around this and get it fixed and fixed for real, seriously fixed. Even though you've got the idiot uh, president over in Mexico kind of thumbing his nose and he wants to play in the sandbox with Biden like they're, you know, two imbeciles uh, together, which they are. Um, but th- this needs to be fixed. And again, just bringing it to our attention about how it's impacting the business owner. They can only, whether it's a big business or small business, they can only take so much. And that prices, uh, those additional costs are going to be priced in and passed on to you. So, you know, we need to keep that in mind. Um, that does it for us. Uh, we will be back here next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. I should say Sunday, too, because sometimes they, they run uh, this program on Sunday. Um, so, uh, the station likes to use it as much as they can, which I appreciate because that's getting the word word out to more and more people. Um, and then I'll be talking with, uh, Bob and Chris every weekday morning, five fifty, six fifty, seven fifty. Um, on the Morning News Express, where we'll be having our live business updates and uh, getting tuned in to what's working there, what's not working, and what's going on uh, in the marketplace. So until then, uh, have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. 